0: This Choircast show is brought to you in part by the Jonathan underscore Foster podcast. It's a podcast that lives at the intersection of mimetic theory and open and relational theology, given that your host has degrees in such thinking as well as many of his guests. So if you're interested in helping humanity evolve and take healthy steps forward into non-scapegoating, non-binary, non-violent love, you should check it out. Find the Jonathan underscore Foster show on all fine podcasting platforms everywhere.
1: Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is egregious.
0: The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my
1: wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know.
0: This is the only place where you can see truth. Wow, look
1: at that word. I, yeah, that, it's all I could think, though, so on this
0: one. You're filling out the big guns. That's a, yeah. that's a big word. I that's am, a I'm impressed. One.
1: That's a 10-point. Yeah. That's a triple <laughs> word score kind of thing.
0: Uh, I'm going to pretend like I know what that means. I know it has to do with Scrabble, but like... Scrabble! I've never played... <sighs> Okay, I've never played. But also, Lola's never played Monopoly. You've never played Monopoly, correct? Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, so like, <laughs> I can't say shit. <laughs> we we ha- we have our own problems, you know. I each know. Of us. When
1: we finally uh, get to meet, we're gonna play Scrabble and Monopoly.
0: Scrabble and Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, before we get started and jump into today's case, yes, you had something. I have to talk to you guys about something. Okay. So when we first started this podcast, I think it was episode two, we were talking about Albert Fish, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I made the comment when you said something real, like, gross and disturbing that happened. And I said, my butt puckered. Oh, my Correct. God.
1: Do you, do you remember me saying <laughs> my butt puckered? I can't unhear it. So yeah, I remember it. <laughs> Thank okay. you. And I said it again in another episode. I don't you know. Did. I was like, oh, I'm, my butt's puckering again. Yep. No, you said okay. my but- whole cringe, specifically. No, I said my butt puckered. Oh, I didn't said, say cringe. On the second time, I think you said cringed. Oh, did or it? A cringe.
0: Okay, I, 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 I cringe. <laughs> That's <laughs> a word. Well, anyways, I have been informed by my husband and my sister in law that when something uh, happens and they like cringe, their butthole does not pucker. So what does I have do? to ask you, does your leg goes up? Like, you're stopping, i stopping to turn. Does that not happen to you? <laughs> to me,
1: my whole, like, yeah, no, that happens. Yeah, okay. no, for sure. That does happen. I had buggers. to think about it.
0: Thank you. Okay, Thank what you. does
1: theirs do, though?
0: I know, right? You're just loosey-goosey over here. You're just like, ugh. Whip
1: out your butthole and show us what happens. <laughs> 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 I'm so happy this is, ex- this is explicitly rated, <laughs> Right. This is not family friendly.
0: We will never not be able to not check the E. <laughs> yep, correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm not the weird one. Everyone tell us over on our Instagram, uh, does your pet bugger? I can't believe that's how you, you wanted to start this episode.
1: <laughs> that's how.
0: <laughs> I know what we're getting into. Well, I don't know the case. I just know it's a serial killer because hello, spooky, spooky, October. Um, and so I had to start us off on a good note. So you can take us down.
1: Spooky ooky booty. Hell okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Good.
1: Uh trigger warnings before we begin. This case deals with necrophilia, murder, rape, assault, and incestual illusion. Ew. Illusion with an A.
0: Okay. So when you say sexual uh in or uh what's the fucking word now sorry sexual assault incest oh incestual illusion incestual illusion so are you meaning like they had the desire and the fantasy no 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 not illusion with an a so like alluding to
1: possible incest but not okay okay okay, nothing confirmed nothing like that it's just touching around the borders of the incest so to speak
0: Ew. (laughs) <laughs> that that face, you said, oh, okay, that's comforting. Okay, I'm watching Only Murderers in the Building, one of my favorite shows. Have you ever seen it? No. Selena Gomez. Oh my gosh, it's on Hulu. Only <gasps> Murderers in the Building. It's so good. They're on season three. Watch it from the beginning. I love it. Cool. Um, But in season three, there's these two characters that are producers and it's the mom and her son. And they like kiss, kiss. And she's Ew. like, he's gay. He's gay. I can do that. And I'm like, no, you can't. What? Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm throwing up. And there's even a part where, she, where he's like, Mom, do you remember what the doctor said to you when I was eight? And she said, yes, that I needed to stop breastfeeding you. What? And do you remember what? I know, and it keeps going. And I was like, what? No, this is too close. I am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a
1: proponent for breastfeeding, you know. Right? Like th- to like two, four. Yeah. To four, maybe? I think that's when I see some people stopping.
0: Most people stop around two. If you're going to do it longer, I've seen people, most people, I'd say two. Some people will go to four. Uh, I haven't seen past four, though. I haven't seen past four.
1: If it's past four, I think you should consult a doctor anyway. Yeah, a psychologist, please. Uh, Please. Yes, one of those. The brain doctors. Nope, not a neurosurgeon. I don't know anything. That is an unhealthy
0: bond. I'm just going to come out and say that. Okay, anyways, to the story. To the story.
1: (laughs) Let me set the scene. It's July 1982. Headliners and articles read that two boys found a dead body on the edge of the Green River in Washington state. Later, it would be discovered. This was thought to have been a 16-year-old girl who went missing after leaving her foster home. Her body was found a week later after she'd ran away, strangled by her own jeans, and left in the water. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: But just wait. Unfortunately, this would not be the only body found. This is the beginning of the hunt to discovering the Green River Killer. Dun dun dun. dun, dun,
0: dun. <laughs> oh, that's a good intro. You're that welcome. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Also, those two boys. Oh, could you imagine?
1: Yeah. Okay. And I heard conflicting information on that. In some case okay, yeah. in, in some of the articles I had read, it said three. Some said two. Oh, okay. And sometimes they would call them children. But what I saw in what seemed like the most credible credible reports was uh, that they were around 14, 13 or 14. So,
0: I mean, still children, but like, shit, still, you know, around teenagery. Glad they weren't younger, but still, that's like, that's a very impressionable age. And yes. to have something that traumatic that you see. Yeah, for Ooh. sure.
1: And like, you no. know, when you find a body that's in or near water, it's bloated. So it looks even scarier oh, than like, yeah. just a typical, I guess, body. I totally forgot about that.
0: I mean, yeah. and for this one, I believe she was in the water. Did they think it was a mannequin? Because most people always say, it's a mannequin. Oh, just kidding. It wasn't. They didn't say that. that. And I know the boys didn't touch the body. Have you heard that? I have heard that,
1: that people will think it's a mannequin or like a fake Halloween body kind of thing. Yeah. They didn't say that, but they also didn't put any testimony from the boys in any documents that I could find. Gotcha. They were
0: underage. They were children.
1: And it was the early 80s. Just remember, it's never a mannequin. Okay. It's never a mannequin. Please check. (laughs) Use gloves if you can. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay, so by August of the same year, 1982, five more bodies were found near or in the Green River. King County sheriffs uh, and detectives immediately formed what they called the Green River Killer Task Force. If you're not sure what a task force is, it's fine. It's where a bunch of different people from a bunch of different sectors of law enforcement, um, psychology, forensics, they all come together together to try to prevent criminal activity or target it to a specific geographic point or profile?
0: Uh, you know what? Okay. I know task force. I was like, oh, everyone does know task force. Is But you just taught me something because I did not realize that, like, I was assuming that it was just like uh, investigators, like a group of yeah. investigators that are specifically assigned this case. But when you said psychology like people in psychology coming mm-hmm. onto the task force as well. That makes sense because you need... You need a profile. A profiler. And yeah, that, that'll that make sense. It's super cool.
1: Like a task force is a super awesome resource because it's made up of so many different parts. It's very like, it's dynamic. And it really is,
0: uh, I don't know, it's, it's just impressive to me. Yeah. And they're putting so much time and energy on that one... Oh, yes. ...area of focus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So... They formed that task force, which pretty, that was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But also, they had six bodies on their hands, so. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? So, like I said, it, this task force was actually made up of 25 experts, and they were all determined to catch this killer, bring justice to the victims, but it would take them two decades to find him.
0: No, wait. That? Yeah. And you said this was 1982? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So... To come Shut around. Up.
1: Well, that's an approximation because not quite like on the dot, 20 years, but
0: around okay, two decades.
1: Close enough. But that's here, here's crazy. what they knew. This person was most likely a male that targeted runaways, prostitutes, or marginalized women, uh, specifically Ugh. young women. But uh, young <laughs> means different things to different people. Yeah. The victims, I will tell you, range between ages fourteen to around thirty six. I think.
0: Okay, so pretty young, I would say. Pretty, yeah. It's depending on who you ask, so like in my in my head, it's like yes, I see that whole age range as young because I still consider myself like on the younger side. Because you're, it's you fall in that age range. We both do. Yeah, but if I was like twenty and somebody was like thirty six, I'd be like, hmm, you're older. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I would consider you young. I know. Age is so subjective, especially as you get older. It is very subjective. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The person, the, sorry, whoever, the killer, he would always have sex with them. He would always strangle them. And then he would dump them. Sometimes coming back to visit, dot, dot, dot. No, no, no. I won't go any further into that right now. There were a few suspects right off the bat. Uh, one was a taxi driver that frequented the c Strip, which was just c is what they called it. It's uh, I don't okay. Know. It's a it's a city. Okay. A uh, C-Tax Strip where the prostitutes frequented. Uh, a truck driver that had sexually assaulted two prostitutes in the area and threatened them with a gun. Now he hadn't actually. Uh, I mean, he was violent. It was sexual assault. Yeah. But he hadn't killed them, and he was forthcoming with that information. And then two criminals in a San Francisco jail, they also confessed to these murders.
0: What is up with false confessions?
1: I also, ha- i I don't really understand how it tracks besides, like, possibly getting more, like, credibility behind bars or like mm-hmm. maybe thinking if they can give like a false tip they can lessen the sentence or get a plea
0: deal of sorts but or I just thought of this maybe they want to be in prison that is true Like, like I mean hey, free food free three hot board. meals and a cop baby like you <laughs> you know like you get health insurance basically you know you get the prison doctors you they get, don't let you die yeah they don't let you die it's not probably the best but you don't they don't let you die they can give you food roof over your head you get some fresh air now and then, you know, for some people that might be better. You can get
1: a college education in prison too. I mean, not at the time, but you know,
0: whatever. Which, and I'm not saying that those stuff shouldn't be offered for people in prison. The whole end point is to rehabilitate, get reformed, rehabilitated. Uh, so I'm not saying that that stuff shouldn't be available, but just wondering if, that is a huge motivator for somebody to falsely confess to a crime because they're homeless or life on the outside of prison is too hard and that seems easier to them.
1: You know, I hadn't thought I about know, that. You know, the only thing I had thought about is I know a lot of people once say become a prisoner it is extremely hard to adjust back to civilian life. Yes. uh, Especially once you've got that record tacked to you, it's hard to get a job, hard to get housing. Yeah, so with that...
0: It follows you.
1: It does. And it just, it's normal. Like once you fall into your uh, routine in prison, because it's just like day-to-day life. You have friends, you have a job, like, or you have a couple of different jobs in there. You know when your meal is coming. It's very habitual and... It gives order and structure to a lot of people that didn't grow up with that. So when it's time for them to get released, sometimes they'll freak out and be like, Ah, I don't know how to do that. I don't wanna go back, or or yeah. they'll go into one of those halfway homes and then they'll realize how difficult yeah. the transition is and falsely confess to something to go back. I can see that. Super sad. Yeah. Please don't falsely confess. There are resources. There are resources. I know. None of these people None of these suspects became persons of interest as they all had solid alibis and those false confessions were found out pretty quickly. The timelines weren't adding up for the crime and like what where they were at at the time. So, good. But they had a last suspect and his name appeared in 1983 and that was Gary Ridgway.
0: Mm.
1: I know. Not much of a mystery. <laughs>
0: No, not not very much, uh, Mister Gary. Mr. Gary. This was a year oh, later, Gare Bear. right? <laughs> Gary. <Bear. laughs> so in 1983,
1: he was questioned in the disappearance of a prostitute who a witness had claimed gotten into his truck, but Ridgway denied the allegations, and he also passed a polygraph,
0: which back in the day used to hold weight. Now we know it doesn't really. Right. Back then, they were seen as like. Brock, solid evidence. Which I couldn't really blame them at the time. As good as a fingerprint, right. Yeah. Sci- you only know what you know, and science has proven. Exactly. And shown that they're not as, as good as we thought they were. So detectives
1: actually later discovered a report in 1982 that Ridgway had a prostitute in a parked car, and two years later, that body was found. Oh. He, like, had, had tried to strangle her. Didn't work out.
0: Oh, in the car. car. Yeah. It didn't work out. She survived, but then died two years later and found in the river.
1: Okay. So he eventually was let go, though, because he passed the polygraph. So they were like, okay, moving on to the next one. Yeah. But they became desperate for answers because more and more bodies were popping up. And they were all across like... how the the green river it stretches really far throughout washington it's expansive and so it was becoming hard to pinpoint exactly where this person was at cuz it was kind of right. all over so yeah long river lots lots of places to go amid the whole media rush that was like green river killer got to catch him like who is green river killer i hate that they named him firstly like i get
0: it but <laughs> I hate when they all have names. I know we use them, and they—they're. They're I handy, get it, but, but I, I, hate, I hate it because you can't call them by their name. You know, like because you don't know their name until you know their name. Exactly. It's just annoying
1: because I feel like it ro- still plays into the whole romanticizing serial killers and all that jazz. It feels that way. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, amid this media rush, the story reached none other than Ted Bundy, who was behind bars at the time.
0: Oh, Ted Bundy was already out. So BTK was like, this was part of around this time. He was in the prime of his... The 80s was the time of struggling. killing. Also, it was the spike in horror movies. That, you Yeah, know, 70s and 80s. God damn.
1: If you go back and look at the media back in the 80s, you see a lot of spikes in horror films and like the audiences really mm-hmm. were drawn to those versus like the rom-coms and things like that. So right, don't know if that has anything to do with it, but...
0: And if you remember, this is all, also satanic around the panic. time of Satanic Panic. I remembered. <laughs> so, like, yeah. this is a shit show in the 70s and 80s. Good God.
1: You can see, like, the, the panic that's ensuing. Yes, all Not around. only with mm-hmm. law enforcement, but people are demanding for answers. They've got loved ones that are uh, vulnerable to this. They've got their teenage girls that they're
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of locking up at the time. Uh, because yeah, there's just panic, not, not satanic necessarily, yeah. I guess, with Green yeah, River, right. but yeah. So, Ted Bundy, he hears about it, and he wrote to detectives in King County, and he offered up some information on the mind of a killer. And no, he did not ask for anything in return, huh. which was super interesting to me.
0: Which, to be honest, it's Ted Bundy. What the fuck are they going to give you? They're not going to take time off your sentence. You're not like... Which is like, and I knew that. And it's like, was this conscience, you know, pulling forward from him being like... Or was he waning in the public eye because he'd been in prison for, I don't know how long at this point. That is true. Maybe he wanted to come back on the scene and be like, hey, I'm still here. Yeah.
1: That's true. Yeah, so he offered up, you know some possible information on the mind of a killer, the motives behind leaving the bodies in the water or strangling them uh, psychologically, what that could mean possibly. And he also made a chilling comment that the killer would most likely return to the bodies to have sex with them. And he
0: was right. And did they know that at this time? Yes. But they... They did not publicize that. No, no. And so Ted Bundy's like, "Oh my God, they all think alike.
1: They all think alike. It's crazy." Yeah. Ew. So he was right about that, and he actually he told them to set up a sting operation. He said the killer is probably going to come back around this time frame after killing. So once you find a body, leave it. <laughs> Give him his adequate time. And hide out and just wait. But that didn't work. They they never no one ever came back for But they tried it? I yeah. I think they did, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um from the reports I read, yeah.
0: Seems like they did. I, <gasps> I, I, I can yeah. understand the desperateness to try this because again, back in the eighties they don't have DNA. And so, like, they're not getting anything from the bodies. But, like, I would be freaking out sitting there watching that body because every moment that you leave that body just sitting there, you're losing potential evidence or you're possibly losing potential evidence. So, it's like, you're taking a major gamble just, like, letting the body. Water is so destructive
1: to a crime scene. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, let's fast forward. It's 1987. Ridgway, he had a uh, he had a thing for the prostitutes, the sex workers, the girls getting that money.
0: Gary Ridgway.
1: Oh yeah. Gary Ridgway. Okay. He had a thing for him. So he had a couple of, you know, brushes with some known victims and uh some tips that started to surface. So
0: hmm. uh
1: there was one tip that uh started with the disappearance of Marie Malvar, I think is how you say her name. MALVAR her boyfriend at the time his name is Robert Woods he saw her so she was a sex worker and his that he knew that so this he was informed yeah he knew that she was a sex worker and he saw her get into a pickup truck on april 30th of 1983 a man that looked between 30 and 40 and he never saw her again after she got in the truck with that guy didn't see her again okay he reported her missing And, but he and her family, they were not idle about this. They went searching for her. They didn't wait for police. Mm. So, they started looking for that truck because it had, like, patches of primer on it. It was, Ah. like, kind of unmistakable. And they did find it. They found it. It was sitting in front of the house belonging to the man they had seen her with. Which would be Gary Ridgway. Goddamn, Gary. Yeah. You keep popping up in this story, Gary. So with this tip and the past brushes with some, you know, known victims that were passed, um, this was enough to get investigators a warrant for his home, his vehicle, and his workplace. However, it didn't pan out. They found nothing. this
0: This is still 1983. Yeah, they found nothing.
1: At the time, you know, they were dusting for fingerprints. They were looking for fibers, like rope, carpet kind of thing. They were looking for hairs. Trophies. Trophies. They were looking for trophies or any possible weaponry. Nothing. But they also had a warrant to get a DNA sample from him. So they got saliva and a sample of his hair. However, technology then was unable to match it because all they had from the bodies was semen. So... (laughs) And they couldn't. That correlation between mm-hmm. DNA and saliva and hair and semen and just what they didn't have technology then. So it hadn't gotten that far yet, but they did keep it on file, which was extremely smart. I, smart. I love, I love the
0: thoroughness. So question, question. Yes. Do we know what the cops said to her family? Like when they tried to file a missing persons report did did the cops take it seriously or do we know or no? Uh,
1: they did. I so they mean, they, did, okay. they went on it. Yeah, they, they were on it the same way that, you know, with the, the same alertness. Yeah. Especially with Oh, because like, this was already... The okay, other, which makes sense because yeah, all the other were victims. There were already okay. bodies. So they were like, whoo, yeah. sex worker, gone missing. Uh, You know,
0: it, it was... Okay, That make, that makes more sense. Yeah.
1: But you know how investigators sometimes would say like, okay, you guys sit tight and we're going to go like... Talk to mm-hmm. people, they would probably talk to the s- local sex workers and say, hey, do you see her? What kind of truck, whatever, like they do their combing of the area and right. try to maybe, maybe get security footage if anyone had it at the time. Yeah. Not really a thing back then, but, you know. Probably not. So, with them doing those protocol things, her family just wasn't sitting idly by. They were like, they, ah. <laughs> That's when they sprung into action because they they knew the cost at that point. A sex worker, you know. They were terrified. Being, I mean, yeah, they they knew how vulnerable she was. She was missing for four days before they reported her. Oh, shit. Now, I don't blame him for this. I don't blame Robert for this because uh, I don't know much about her. And I'm passing no judgment. but. Had she been under the influence of drugs, she could have gone to seek them out. There were not cell phones at the time. This was not yeah. a super communicative time like that. So no, maybe someone had shorted her the money. She couldn't get to a pay phone. You know, yeah. like there's a, a multitude of things that could have been that he was probably thinking in his mind.
0: Yeah, there's there's multiple, even people who aren't on drugs just being at this time without having the access to a phone like we do today. Yeah. It would go multiple days before somebody was pr- not pronounced missing, but...
1: I think I w- I'm tracking she didn't come home.
0: Yeah. Because possibly seeking out drugs or like No, I could agree with you. Like, I think that's a viable option if that if that's something she was struggling but with. But like contact for sure,
1: contacting by phone for mm-hmm. sure, if you go several days, even a week without talking to someone, it's not the end of the world. Right. We don't blame Robert. He was good. He sprung into action looking for her after he reported her. So, good boyfriend. So, the last murder was in 1998.
0: Damn. That was the last one. A year after I was born. Um, so, we've gone from 1983 to 1988 yeah. or 1998.
1: 98, yeah. Wow. That was when the last body was found and it kind of went cold. It had been cold the last little bit, to be honest. Yeah. And
0: Were there more murders in between? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. There were
1: multiple, multiple. And they searched thoroughly for evidence on everybody. They got semen. They didn't get hairs. They didn't get anything else, really. God. And I'll explain it. It all comes full circle in a minute. So... More sophisticated testing was coming out though in the '90s. You Hallelujah. know, we had we had better DNA testing, thankfully. But it wasn't until 2001 that investigators they had two new methods of DNA analysis. I'll just give you a little bit on that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, two tests called a polymerase chain reaction test and a short tandem repeat test. This allowed for sequencing and comparison of fragments of DNA. So they didn't need oh. the full strand in order to compare it accurately with other forms of DNA. So, so interesting. They pulled up the saliva and the hair fiber that they got from Ridgeway and compared it from several different women.
0: And it was a match. Shut up. So they, they knew... For years. They just couldn't do shit about it because of technology. Fucking
1: pin it on him. Ah. Now I know what you're thinking. We're twenty minutes into this. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got him. But we don't know Jack shit about him, you know? So I'm gonna go into that. Okay.
0: So we're gonna I'm gonna delve into that. Yeah.
1: So anyway, after the match was made, he was arrested later on in the year.
0: Okay.
1: So it wasn't immediate. Um he was charged with I know, I know. He was charged with 4 murders initially. That was it. Okay. And initially he did claim that he was innocent, as they all do, whatever. But he quickly confessed. <laughs> there was one investigator that it, she was the one that broke him. I forgot her name. Credit where credit's due, I'm so sorry. But <laughs> she she told him no matter what you've done, Gary, I need you to know that your family will still love you.
0: <laughs> and he broke. He broke down, and he confessed. Uh, that's a that's a bold statement, too, though, because like I, uh, Daddy, I love you, but like, if it comes out you're a serial killer, like I know. Uh sorry, not sorry, but like, I'm cutting you off, and like, like, uh, is it going to be hard? Yes. Am I? Am I going to? It's going to be tragic, but like,
1: am I still going to love who you were?
0: Yeah. I'm going to love but, our fond memories, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to love you as a person. I no, can't, yeah. I can't and do that. And this
1: reminds me a lot of, if you know anything about the Chris Watts case, Shanann Watts, oh, um, horrible, oh, horrible God. case that happened just a couple of years back. Rest in peace to the victims. But there is footage of two investigators that are with Chris uh, and his dad mm-hmm. in the final moments before he confesses. And they play it so well. I mean, that female, she's rubbing him on the shoulder saying, what happened? Like, you didn't you didn't mean for this to happen. Did Shanann do something? You know, she's really given him an out and he took it. You know, like she knew how to get to him. Oh,
0: oh, women the, are amazing. The way they're like <laughs> so manipulative in a good way like they know how to they can set it up to be a safe space yeah to get them to actually confess without it being like a false confession like they're not giving leading information or anything like that they're actually just like they're playing the psychology game and I've seen so many interrogations where I'm like oh fuck that worked!" So like wow <sighs>
1: I mean it's, it's effective for sure so, yeah, this this was kind of the same way. She was like, your family is still going to love you. That It's not going to change who you are, Gary, if you just tell us what happened. And that's when he broke. So, he stated he wanted to kill as many prostitutes as possible, specifically prostitutes. Um, he targeted sex workers because they're slow to be reported when they go missing. Right. Anyway.
0: Unfortunately.
1: It's hard to track back who did it, you know? And he just said he hated them. He called them garbage in a couple of interviews. He literally said they were trash. Like, you? And none of that is true about any of these women. No. Yeah. No, they were oh. mothers and daughters and wives and sisters and friends. They were people, yeah. you know, and they mattered. They still matter. Yeah. So. Oh, Uh Do you want to know how he evaded detection? Because I have that info. <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. He was a camp counselor. I'm just <laughs> I, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, So, with the whole, it's the 80s, technology's not that great, but it's still kind of easy to mess up with killing people. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. A lot. If you're going to get away with it for that long. Right. So, this is what he did. It's so brilliantly horrible and horrifying and egregious. Oh, gosh. So, he evaded detection for all those years. He he would leave gum wrappers. Like, he would find a gum wrapper. He didn't chew gum. He didn't Uh smoke or anything like that. But he would go, like, to a gas station where they had, like, the cigarettes on the— What's it called? That thing where you put, I don't smoke. (laughs) That thing. Ashtray. Where people, ashtray, that's it. Yeah. And he would get those cigarettes that had a bunch of different DNA DNA samples Mm -hmm. on them. And he would get gum wrappers that he would find just like on the street or at work, out of a trash bin. Who knows? And he would leave those at the crime scene to throw off the investigation. And it did, I mean, like they followed leads on that. It really wasted a lot of manpower and money.
0: Can you imagine cops showing the up at your door? No, <clears throat> cops showing up at your door and be like, Sir, <laughs> why was your gum wrapper found? Why was your gum wrapper found by a here? dead prostitute? What the? F-? And you're like, I was just at the quick mark. I, what?
1: I mean, I would break down into, like, <laughs>
0: I didn't do it, but I'm sorry. (laughs) The panic. Like, I'm panicking even just thinking about, that is my number one fear, (sighs) is being falsely convicted for a crime I didn't commit. Me too. Oh, my God, it's my biggest fear in life. (sighs) Uh -uh.
1: Yeah, so he, well, he did that. Jackass. He would always wear gloves. Even some of, like, the, uh, the prostitutes in the area that would see him pick up, Girls saw that he was wearing gloves Uh -uh. Uh -uh. as he would
0: like open the door for Uh -uh. her. Uh -uh. Red flag, red flag, girls. Girls, if you see gloves, you better run. You better run. Seriously. No.
1: And drop a pin with your location with them, please.
0: (laughs) Also, back in the 80s, they didn't have phones, but.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was different than. Thankfully, now sex work is.
0: I don't want to say a lot safer, but we can take more precautions now. Yeah, it's definitely, it's still not safe, but it's, I in my opinion, as somebody who's never done it before, so take this with a grain of salt, I, I think it's a lot safer than what it used to be. And it's
1: a better time now, I think, to be a sex worker, mm -hmm. just because like, we also have virtual sex work that you can do too. Yeah, OnlyFans. Phone girls, my OnlyFans, like pics or whatever. The chat, the chat girls, chat room girls, love those. So, yeah, it's somewhat safer now to be a sex worker. Mm-hmm. But he would target, like he said before, he would target the runaways and the prostitutes. When he dumped the bodies and the, like he would try to put them in the water if he could, because that obviously takes away evidence, uh, especially if they're not found for a minute. And there are more remote places that the Green River goes through. So,
0: Mm.
1: you know, it may have been easier to conceal some versus others. So he would also cut the fingernails off of the victims if he suspected or knew that they had scratched him, like in a fight. Son of a bitch. Also, he would pour battery acid on his arms to hide the marks. (gasps) if they
0: had fought back hold on i'm not done i'm not Whoa, wait, done wait. before before you keep going he poured battery acid battery acid on himself on himself uh, on <laughs> himself
1: on his arms and hands to like conceal it really
0: quick i'm i'm just going to google for shits and okay. giggles the damage injury from battery i mean acid. i think
1: I would think second degree burns, third degree burns. I don't know
0: though. I I would think third degree burns.
1: It's the quick Google search on the deadly face pod.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> look at the hand. Is that a leg? That's a leg. But then look oh, at the hand. The, the hand is black. Totally black. Oh my gosh. Um, now
1: I don't think he did this super often though, because
0: I did there were other ways that he would. Oh my oh, good like, lord! The, I I don't even <laughs> I don't even think Instagram will let me post this. Nobody Google that. We googled but, it for you. You <gasps> oh don't have to work. Oh, it gets worse. okay, putting my phone down. Nope. We're not
1: linking nope, this. Not in the linking show. that. The show it will not be. Google linked. it yourself. He
0: <laughs> you put that on himself.
1: So this is one method for what he would do. Um, also, if he would pull a muscle, bring in the dead body, like lifting it, or. If he got scratched, like on the face where you don't want to pour a battery at, I mean, you don't want to pour it anyway, but, but like, yeah. whatever. Uh, if he got a bruise, something like that, he would report it as a work injury. So he, every time he got anything like this, the next day at work, he would go report it. So that it would be on file as a work injury. So that if police were like, Hey, remember when you had this, you know, in this photograph, it would be like, Oh, yeah, you can go check on my work file.
0: I got oh that. Oh my work. gosh, cunning little bastard! I hate to say it, but it it's smart. You'll be more surprised as it goes I will, on. Okay, so maybe I'll eat my words.
1: He never told anybody what he did. Never, not not even his wives. Nothing like that. He passed the polygraphs. He also changed tires very frequently, and he never—I mean, never—kept trophies. Nothing from them.
0: That's at first.
1: It is. Yeah. So you want to hear about? <laughs>
0: His childhood? Oh, God, I'm not sure. Now that I've told you how he evaded capture for so long. I have, I have questions. And so we learned with BTK that, you know, you can have a sunshiny childhood and still be a fucking uh-huh, yeah. twat, uh creep. So, I love when you say twat
1: in these twat. circumstances. I hate that word I typically, know. but I tell you, it's well-deserved.
0: I love that word. Why do you hate twat?
1: It just feels weird coming off my tongue.
0: I don't know. So like Some people hate the word moist. I actually like the word moist. I think it's great. I don't mind. I don't think there's a word that I don't like. I say that now. I probably will find one. But I like the word blubber. <laughs> blubber. I do like the word blubber. Yeah, twat. I like twat. I really like that word. We've
1: done a, a preemptive palate cleanser just now. There you go. <laughs> okay. Before talking about his childhood, are you guys ready? Let's get in. So Gary Ridgway he was born February 18th of 1949 in Salt Salt sorry Salt Lake City Utah. He grew up in SeaTac Washington, that same place where that strip was that the prostitutes worked on. He was the middle child of three children. And he also had dyslexia which caused him bunch of issues during
0: school because oh this is at the time
1: dyslexia was not
0: (laughs) yeah catered to no not at all probably not even really understood very well no
1: no um and as an adult it was actually found that his iq was 80 oh shit let me just to give you some perspective also uh because I, I also didn't know anything about IQs at the time, um, but an average person scores around a hundred. Yeah. So his was low, and think about all the things I just said: how he evaded capture, cutting the fingernails, pouring the battery acid, the work injuries, the gloves. The think about that for a moment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because if I'm if I'm correct, which I'll Google this and I will correct myself in a minute if I'm wrong, but if I'm correct, it's isn't it? Around, I'm pretty sure it's around the sixty mark where it's like a pretty severe mental handicap
1: on IQ so. test.
0: So, and he's only at eighty. So, if yeah. us as normal people, you know, we're averaging around the hundred mark. If uh-huh. you remember the case, the boy in the cellar, Stephen Smith, he yeah. scored one. 40-something, I think, or like 150. Yeah. He's fucking smart. So... So,
1: that'll give you a nice gauge to think about. Get a
0: few screws loose. A little bit, a little bit. Um, he's parents, also vastly ugly. And I can say that because he's a serial Gary killer. Gary Ridgeway. He is fugly. I'm so sorry to like... I am not one to like... I agree. I say that, but like I'm so...
1: So, he reminds me mm. of the guy in The Lovely Bones.
0: Oh. Is that the book he recommended to me?
1: No. The Lovely Bones. What is The Lovely Bones? It is a book, but it's also a film. That's how I came across it. Oh. Um Of a 14-year-old girl um, that was murdered by her neighbor. And the murderer, Gary Ridgway, and him favor each other a lot.
0: Oh. Yeah. I
1: highly recommend that film. It is very cathartic, the way it ends. Oh. So, I highly that. recommend that film.
0: We'll Sad, link it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, it's sad, but it has a good resolution. So, okay, more well, than care for everybody. Back to Gare Bear. Uh, his parents often had violent fights in front of him and his siblings. Okay. okay. Which is sad. Very sad. His father was a bus driver who frequently complained about sex workers near his route. God damn it. So, why is the dad and- got to
0: be a fucking idiot? <laughs>
1: He must have planted that seed from an early mm-hmm. age. Right. You,
0: know? you are a product of your environment, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, his mom, she was a sales clerk for J.C. Uh Most of her work life was being a sales clerk. And she was not the ideal mother. Mm. Oh, no. Can you believe it? Mommy issues, killing prostitutes, there's a connection. Yeah, who'd, who'd have thought? So his mother would engage in inappropriate behavior trigger warning this is where it gets incestuous yeah no 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 no, no. kind of ki- kind of yeah kind of i don't know so oh, um he I'm had so a nervous. problem with bedwetting which firstly that's a major red flag for a lot of people that mm-hmm. that is a molested child or a sexually assaulted tr-
0: child whatever mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it it can also it can also be emotionally delayed like they're having yeah, emotional issues yeah. which can stem from being assaulted so
1: could be either this was a habit that persisted into his early teens but as he like grew up she would humiliate him for it. She would, like, make a scene about it in front of his siblings, his father, in front of other people. She would humiliate him.
0: Bitch!
1: Yeah, every time she found out that he had wet the bed, she would humiliate him, and I believe that she was violent with him in those times.
0: These are the moments that are so hard for me, especially, like, telling the stories the way it is, because I already hate the man so bad, but, like, I want to defend (sighs) childhood Gary, because that's, like, we can uh, always defend the tra- who the the, fuck the childhood. Yes. And and I will no matter what they grow up to be. I will always have space and empathy for them as their childhood especially if they grew up, you know, to have traumatic stuff happen like this. Yeah. BTK no, he had a fucking normal childhood. He was just a fucking idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, here's the other thing. After she would humiliate him, she would then wash his genitals. This was up until the time that he was around... I'm uncomfortable.
0: 16. I'm
1: uncomfortable. So from ages like zero to 16 or 17, every time this happens, and maybe outside of bedwetting, she washes specifically his genitals. Why? That's... You have to know something that in the midst of puberty, when you have someone touch your genitals, I don't care who they are a physician, a parent, a friend, a more than a friend, it is
0: arousing. And if it's a parent, it is confusing. It is very confusing. Your body has a normal reaction. And that even happens to women when they are being assaulted. Your body has the actual physical reaction of, pleasure or climaxing climaxing sometimes Mm -hmm. but then it's a whole nother like fucking mental game that you're like but I didn't want it but then my body reacted to it so then like was it really rape it is a whole freaking shit show so yes your body and yes it was rape yes yes it was yes it was a thousand percent and I when I um I was dating a boy in high school, oh gross! And <laughs> <laughs> my and so got yeah, early high school, and his mom was a massage therapist, and she was like getting her hours, like she wasn't licensed quite yet, and so she uh-huh. was trying to get her hours, and so she was practicing on. uh I don't know if she ever did one on me, but she was doing one on her son, and she massaged his back or whatever. And I was standing there, we were talking. The whole she was very professional, and then when <laughs> when he rolls over, yeah, she's treating him like a client. And so she said, "Uh, it's very normal to, you know, get an arousal if that happens. And he was like, no mom, stop right now, right now. Yeah. She's like, okay, would you like to stop this? You know, like (laughs) she did it so professionally and I am, oh, I am rolling in the other corner laughing my ass off uh, in the room. (laughs) Yeah. Super funny. But yeah, it's Uh. very normal. Like your body's just going to react. Anyways, on that tangent, keep going.
1: Even like outside of puberty too. like Yeah, yeah. It just, it happens. But it's just much more intense during and right after puberty. So another note, uh, as a child, he enjoyed shooting birds with a BB gun, not for hunting purposes.
0: Hooking animal cruelty. Here we are again. Back to
1: his mom though. At some point, he began to fantasize about stabbing her.
0: Oh, no, yeah. Mommy so, issues.
1: yeah, he, he really wanted, he said, I wanted to stab her in the chest specifically, like in the heart. Wow. Oh. He never acted on this. He never hurt his mother through any of this. He never touched her at all. She actually died about three months prior to him getting arrested. Oh. Which he said, he was like, I'm grateful that she was not here to see this kind of thing because he felt he, he would have disappointed her.
0: I uh, so many I, words. I, you have I, so many feelings. Oh, I kind of wish she was here. Like <laughs> I kind of do I, too. <laughs> I feel bad saying that, but at the same time, like she was a like horrible
1: mom, and she was horrific. To, not mother of the year by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. I have to assume she was probably abused too. You know right. the cycle, yeah. the unfortunate cycle. But that was not an excuse for her to. Uh, touch him at all in that way no
0: and the the way she humiliated him each time he peed the bed that is it's already you're embarrassed in general oh my gosh you and you're so as a kid you're so emotional when any little thing happens like the littlest thing and you're pretty embarrassed for most kids so i can't imagine like his embarrassment must have been off the freaking charts
1: i know yeah, so I'm not surprised that he fantasized about killing her. Yeah, just not because really. of all the resentment built up. But, but yeah, he never did. However, his first victim was a stab victim. So, you know, his whole uh, MO was have sex with them, strangle them to death, and then dump them in the river, and then come back and have sex again. But before that, he, I think he was like, he was in his teens when this happened. I don't want to say exactly when, but... He stabbed a six-year-old boy in the woods. Wow. He stabbed him so deeply that it went into his liver. <gasps> Man. Now, the six-year-old boy survived. Thank he God. He has remained anonymous through the years. Good. Don't try to figure out who it is. Leave him alone. Yeah. Yes, he's probably still alive. But, yeah, he, he said he was lured into the woods and he realized years later when he saw his face on TV, he's like, oh my God, I was his first victim.
0: That's got to be so scary.
1: I know, yeah. He spent considerable amount of time in the hospital because he was six and stabbed in the liver. Are you kidding me? So, you know, he,
0: oh, uh, but he was gosh. okay. He,
1: he turned out, like everything was fine physically, but, you know,
0: oh. that still sucked.
1: And yeah. that, but that was the only time he ever stabbed anybody. After that it was full out strangle. He didn't use like typical weaponry kind of thing. He used rope he used their own clothes on them to like mm-hmm. just like that first girl her jeans were used to
0: strangle her. But if, um if I had to guess why mm-hmm. he did this and you might you might agree or have a different theory is um stabbing people is very messy. It's very bloody. Oh, and yeah. and that leaves trace evidence. That leaves blood evidence that could get on you. And so strangulation is cleaner. And unfortunately, you're, you can get away with strangulation
1: it. Strangulation is a lot more controlled.
0: Yeah, way more controlled. Yeah, for sure.
1: Don't go strangle people after you hear this podcast. I swear to God. Go, yeah. like this. <laughs> I shouldn't have to say that. It's just right? like Bo Burnham. I didn't think I'd have to write that one down for you guys. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So years after this, he graduates from Thai E. I think that's how you say it. Thai E High School okay. in 1969 uh, at the age of 20. Damn. Ridgeway also served a two-year stint in the United States Navy. And he did see, he was in Vietnam and he did see action, unfortunately. So that had to be very difficult. In the time that he was In the navy, he actually he solicited sex workers. I tell you, this man he he loved and hated the sex
0: workers. So I was about to say, like you are screwing them, but you're also killing mm -hmm. them. Like you can't. uh, uh, And he didn't kill kill them. them.
1: Yeah, he didn't kill them in the navy. Also, I need to clarify that. I know I've told you that it was around 1970, but I just want Mm -hmm. to reiterate: he didn't kill any of these sex workers that he solicited. Okay. Yeah. So. Actually, at a certain point after soliciting multiple sex workers, he contracted gonorrhea and became oh. extremely angry at sex workers. Oh, shit. So this was not, it was just like building to this horrible point because he had already heard from his dad that sex workers were horrible. And then he was mad at his mom. He was mad at women, probably. And then a woman gave him a disease you know yeah
0: so it was like one hatred on top of another on top of another
1: yeah so he he came home from the navy and he settled in the Seattle area and when he came home so he married his high school sweetheart firstly before he was sent overseas poor woman he got married very young and he came back and was settling in Seattle and he learned that she had cheated on him Aww. Now, he had also been, you know... Right, he he'd was even with, with
0: prostitutes, so... Yeah, he
1: was <laughs> cheating with sex workers, too. So, like, this, uh, come on, whatever. Right. But, yeah, so when he learned that they got divorced, he was devastated. He started working as a truck painter. So, remember Robert uh, Woods, the boyfriend that reported his girlfriend missing? Yes. After four days? Aye. He was looking for the truck with primer on it. right. And This is probably because he had access to primer and he was, like, fixing stuff on his
0: own truck. On his own truck. Because he was a truck painter. Making the connections.
1: Yes. So, for 30 years, he did truck painting. They must have treated him well then.
0: Right. He married three times. Okay. Three times. It was not the charm. I'm not shocked he had marriage is hard. So we're just going to come out and say that marriage is not the easiest. And divorce is okay. It's nothing to be ashamed about. But can I understand why this man probably had three divorces? Yep. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You could probably guess that there's some infidelity happening. So the first wife, the uh, high school sweetheart, Mm -hmm. uh, Claudia Craig Barrows. So they both had affairs and then got divorced. It was a short marriage. I think only two or three years. Okay. Second wife. Was Marsha Lorraine Brown Ridgeway had cheated on her? He had also once placed her in a chokehold. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank God you got out of that. She told officers that he always wanted to talk about sex. He would often re- like request sex from her, or like in public places, like really taboo kind of things. Mm. We say taboo. Think about the time, guys. I know right. you. <laughs> yeah. I've had sex on top of my car outside. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't think twice about it, but like...
0: That's funny. Okay, this is where we are complete opposites because like <laughs> it freaks me the fuck out like having sex anywhere that's not Besides my, your bedroom or yeah, like your house. Which, okay, story time. My husband's probably gonna be like, what the fuck? Why are you telling this story? My <laughs> husband's not? our biggest fan too. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> okay, so when we were... Together, but not married. I think we were engaged at this point. We didn't have sex until we were married because, you know, Christianity, but Uh we did do like a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 I lived with his sister and, uh, he lived with a bunch of guys. And so he went out to a park one night really late. We were watching a movie on like a little portable DVD player. One thing led to another. And next thing you know, We're feeling and touching. Okay. You catch my yeah. Right. Well, then all of a sudden there's like these bright ass fucking lights that turn oh, on. No. Oh, and no. And it was a fucking cop. Stop. <laughs> I've been there before. <laughs> I was so fucking terrified. I was like, oh, my God, we're going to get so much trouble. Like, I uh, we're rushing to like, you know. They literally just tell you to go somewhere else. We were like rushing to like get ourselves oh, decent yeah. and the up oh, yeah. to the window. And he's like, hey, do you have your, your, uh, your wallet? And Tyler was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I left my wallet at home. He did not. He had his fault with him. but he was like, I'm not oh, about to give him okay. my ID. <laughs> and so, uh, he was like, well, um, I know you guys are just watching a movie. Cause it's like, uh, your uh-huh. belt, your belt, <laughs> your belt on <laughs> the Oh <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Especially oh my God. <laughs> we, we, we drove away and we were like, oh my God, That did not. Deserve. We were so embarrassed. But yeah, I don't think <laughs> anyone in his family ever has heard that story. I'm pretty sure nobody's heard that story. So, well, congratulations you're all welcome. Of yeah, you're so we're welcome. opposite. I, I'm very. Uh, My purity culture trauma uh, has very much made me more, more vanilla (laughs) than... Purity culture made me a slut. You didn't really. It's made me come out. It made me come out more now that I'm deconstructed, but...
1: At first I was not, I was very like anti-sex. And then Mm -hmm. the more that it was like taboo, the more I wanted to, you know, do it or like... Right. Come close to the line. I guess right. of penetration kind of thing. So exactly, and yep. I yeah. So it just d- during college, that's when it was like the height of my slutitude. But
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but that wasn't very long because then I got married. <sighs>
0: that one, well, um, married
1: to that guy. I'm yeah, going. That's to what be I meant. Like not marriage in general, just married to that guy. I'm going I know to the story. be married. It's just someone that's so much healthier and better. We like the new one. We love marriage, but it's hard. It is hard. Circling back to
0: Marsha. Yes, let's go back to Marsha. Poor Marsha. Okay, glad she got out of that.
1: Yeah, she also, so she said, you know, he put her in a chokehold once. He always wanted sex. She said that he both hated and loved the sex workers. Local to their area, he would mock them. But she said, I could always tell that he wanted to be with them kind of thing. Oh. Um, that, he was always thinking about sex and like
0: she was just uh, not that sexually driven, you know? It's funny that she was able to tell that she, he wanted to be with them. Like, I know. was it a look in his eyes? Was he really that creepy?
1: You know, as a wife, Ugh. I think you just have that sense of like, you know. Intuition. When they want to do something like, you know, that look in their eye that's just a little bit different that only you would notice kind of thing, so. Right. Right, He would also cry during or after sex. Um, um, she took note of that and how that was very odd to her. And she like didn't know what to do with that information. got the same. It screams uh, sexual uh, trauma. It screams yeah. my mom tried to do me kind of thing.
0: And I can imagine <laughs> my mom tried to do me. <laughs> I can imagine not having a high sex drive and, like, not wanting to sleep with your husband very much if he's crying. If he's crying,
1: that's, yeah.
0: That would be the yeah. biggest fucking turnoff. I'd be like, go see a therapist because, like, you're freaking me out. I'm sorry. That's, you <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, he cheated on her
0: with sex workers.
1: Duh. So their marriage also was not super duper long. And... um. They got divorced. His third wife. Third wife was, I want to say his favorite. Um, Her name was Judith Lorraine Lynch. She figured it out. Uh, uh. That he was killing right under her nose after police came to question her. So, like, he was arrested, and she was like, what, it's not him. He's the sweetest man alive kind of thing. And the more that they told her, she was like, oh my God, connecting dots. Like, Yes. Okay, so she didn't know
0: until after he was dressed. She didn't know
1: until after. But she also, and I don't want anybody to come for her saying that she's conceited for this comment because I fully believe her and I really do think that she's correct in what she said. She said that she believes that she saved many girls in the end just because she loved him. Oh. And there's evidence of that. His murder spree slowed down significantly during their marriage. Wow. I mean, super. He was borderline not really killing anymore. Because, oh like, the last body found was in 98, and they were still together up until the time that he was arrested in 2001. So,
0: wow. Wow.
1: I wonder what it was. He said, I felt less of an urge to kill when I was with her. They had a pretty healthy relationship, all things considered. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like perfect. I don't know. He he seemed like the ideal husband to her. He was a good man to her. He never put her in a chokehold. He never forced sex on her, apparently. I mean, she really was just, showed him the kind of love that he said he had never had before.
0: Wow. That...
1: Is so interesting. So I think that we should give credit there. Where, uh, yeah, where she said, "I think that I saved girls." I think she did,
0: and I thank her for that. I, yeah, if you just if you look at this, the the killing spree, it lines up. Yeah,
1: he had a son. He had a son with Marsha. Not with Judas and not—so with the second wife, Marsha.
0: Second wife, okay.
1: Yeah, so despite the divorce, he remained involved, and in, his name was Matthew. Nobody bother Matthew. He's doing yeah. good. Okay, good. Um, leave him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, he remained very involved with Matthew, even though the divorce and everything, He it was like 50-50 custody. I mean, he was very—he was trying to be father of the year. Um, when Matthew was, I think, five or six, he was quite small. Gary had taken Matthew to the site of one of the murders where the body was but Ma- Matthew was like face. asleep in the truck I think they were like in between going somewhere and he stopped by the river left the truck running like left Matthew in the truck and went and had sex with the dead body as Matthew slept <gasps> I know you
0: are, I there's just no words.
1: Also, Gary often showed pictures of his son to unsuspecting victims, so his whole thing was like, "Oh, look at my son! I'm a father. I'm a good guy." Like it would oh, gain like, trust with them, gosh. and so that would be part of luring them into the truck with him. You
0: fucking asshole!
1: So I'm sure that's not something so easily reconciled. No, with your child and honestly i hate even having to tell matthew's trauma because it's not even my story but like
0: right yeah,
1: it's part of the case i want you to know the gravity of like this person would even use his child's photo right to lure victims so mm. matthew was actually serving in the marines at the time of his father's arrest uh, if you want more information on Matthew, you can watch Sins of the Father, the Green River Killer documentary. But please do not attempt to contact Matthew as he is not to blame for what his dad did and does of not course. need to be hounded with questions. He's given information yeah. to police. He's, he's given interviews. He's, yeah, he's like, done his thing. He's he's doing good. He's he's thriving now. So now this is called deadly faith. So let's talk about faith.
0: I was, here asked. I was like, where are we going with this one? I got you. Okay,
1: so he was a religious man.
0: Oh, right. He didn't grow
1: up in the church.
0: Okay. Necessarily.
1: But he, <laughs> it's such a weird contrast. Religious man solicits sex workers.
0: I, it, 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 But honestly, it's it, it's of It's not that course. far of a stretch, you though. Know? Yeah, it's, it's like, not. Not at all.
1: I need I need everyone in in the uh, in Decatur Highway Church of Christ to know, all of you elders and deacons. I know that you watch lesbian porn, <laughs> <laughs> and I know that you paid for it sometimes.
0: <laughs> Wait, oh my- I don't know that. I don't okay, know I was for about sure. Just say did somebody get a hold of somebody back again? <laughs> there were
1: such creeps in that church that I attended oh, as a child. Oh I gosh. know for certain that some of them had a tendency to watching porn most likely. So,
0: mm-hmm. which in in my opinion nothing against porn. It's just the hypocrisy Oh of- no.
1: Oh and we love ethical porn. We love a female producer for porn. There we go. We love that. We support okay. that. If it's ethical, if it's consensual, we love that. So mm-hmm. that's okay. <laughs> Gary's second marriage with Marsha. I swear, Marsha got the butt end of everything. Everything. He became part of the Pentecostal church during uh. this marriage and would often go door to door proselytizing or reading aloud from the Bible.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine? (laughs) Knock, 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 Saturday morning. You haven't even gotten six sips into your fucking coffee. And there's Mm -hmm. a man on your doorstep, not just wanting to talk to you about Jesus, but before you even get to the door, he's already reading from the Bible. He's just reading. What the fuck?
1: And he would always read aloud. He even, like, he did this at home and at work too. He would just, like, bring his Bible out and start reading out loud.
0: So weird.
1: I feel so bad for Marcia too because uh, he insisted that she must strictly follow the Bible and their pastor's teachings.
0: Uh, but he doesn't have to. No, he doesn't have to. Of course not. Of course. No. Of and course he can talk not. about
1: sex and mock the sex workers and uh-huh. lust after them. That's fine. And you know, fuck him and kill him later. You know, he doesn't have to follow the rules. He was dead set he had to have a Christian wife. Yeah. He would become tearful after hearing sermons or reading scripture. What? He became tearful over sex and scripture. I just think that there's some type of connection there. Your
0: your brain has problems. (laughs) I just, wow.
1: So he, he would get super emotional. He would be touched deeply by sermons in prison, actually. He was pastored to by a Christian sheriff. There's a whole like article written on this sheriff and how he's like, I know that he's a killer. I realize the gravity of what he did. But as a Christian man, I just felt that I needed to witness to him. And I don't really blame him for it. (laughs) But the uh, Christian sheriff, he said that he had kind of like witnessed to him about like the good that he had gotten from a relationship with Jesus. What the sheriff got. understanding, yeah, yeah. The sheriff was like telling his own testimony kind of thing. And he said that Gary had started crying and he wrote a note and handed it to him and it had a prayer written on it. I don't know what the prayer was, but he admitted to being a sinner. He admitted to everything he had done and he asked forgiveness from Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nobody could profile him. Nobody can profile him because he has emotions that he taps into. yeah, but he's calculated, but he's yeah, got a low IQ. but he, it's like so many yeah. conflicting parts of him that uh, it's just it's hard to make sense of everything, but you and you know that there are pieces of this story that are missing. And I don't know if if he'll ever share those pieces of like, because he's not a deconstructed Christian or anything like that. I, he still holds to Christian values to this day.
0: Here's my thing. This man, and this, I've seen this in many cases. Chris Watts, for example, we already brought him up. Yeah. These men that like get into prison, you know, after committing murder and they all of a sudden find Jesus but people ignore the fact that the person knew Jesus and knew Christianity or religion prior to committing these heinous crimes Mm -hmm. and still did it so like were they forgiven and allowed and this is me just going on a tangent and going on my own little rant which people are going to disagree with and have their own opinions on especially if you still subscribe to Christianity but Was he not saved then? And how do you know that this is, like, his true salvation after being in prison? And, like, so this sheriff's testimony was so moving that, like, that changed him. And everyone's like, oh, see, now he's a Christian. Are you fucking kidding me? Now he's good. No. In
1: 2003, I'm just going to go ahead and and tell you how the rest of this plays out. So, in 2003, uh, he accepted a plea deal in which he was sentenced to 48 consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. In addition to this plea deal, he agreed to reveal the location of undiscovered bodies. It is speculated he's responsible for many more deaths. He did confess to 80. He said it was probably upwards of that. What uh, But he said that he had lost... He said he'd lost count.
0: uh, You you lost count. You killed so many people, you lost count. Because they weren't people to him. They were
1: trash to him. Oh, my gosh. Not that that's the reality, but his reality was that they didn't matter to anybody and that they wouldn't be missed. Did he
0: say, like, was he killing the prostitutes for any religious reason? He didn't, he didn't say, say that. that. He was
1: a. He didn't say why. He just said he hated them. He didn't say, I pretended they were my mom. He didn't say, I was doing God's will. He didn't, there was no other reason why except I hate sex workers. Wow. And I don't think that he has the ability to understand like what that actually means, like to dig his heels into why do I hate them? It's not just that I hate them. It's that there are
0: other things around that. That need to be dealt with. Because the why the why goes into gray area. It's not a black and white answer. And so I'm yeah. wondering if he's more of a black and white, you know, thought process type person. Because if you have to dig into that gray area, that can be really hard for some people.
1: And there are multiple documentaries on the Green River Killer. He doesn't take media requests. He hasn't in a very, very long time. Like very, very long time. So it's difficult to get any more information from him directly. But... You know, there are documentaries. I'm not sure if they had uh, people go in and try to speak to him, just like investigative reporters, Mm -hmm. but like near 2003-ish when he was convicted and sentenced. Maybe there's more information in those two. I watched a couple of them, but there are so many documentaries on the Green River Killer uh, because we still can't figure him out. Quick thing, in his last days of the, like, sentencing, Obviously, the victim's families, they get a chance to say their piece on behalf of themselves and the victim if they want to. And a lot of them did, but one stood out to me, this one. Take it how you want, but there was a father, Robert Rule. Uh, He he lost his daughter, Linda Jane Rule. Mm. And Rule told him, Mr. Ridgway, there are people here who hate you and I am not one of them. Wow. You've made it difficult to live up to what I believe and what God says to do, and that is to forgive. Oh, but you are forgiven. And that was it. Oh, shit. After he said that to him, because like the, there were four other people before Mr. Rule that went up there and they were just like, you've taken everything from, now this is, fine they're allowed to say things it is justified they can say whatever they want they can reach across there and try to strangle him and it still would have been justified Uh i think don't strangle people but (laughs) in that case where it's it's so emotional it's emotionally charged they're they're saying like i hate you i hate what you did the whole time he is like All reports say he is stone cold, does not give a shit. Mm -hmm. And then when that guy, when Robert Rule came up there and said those things to him and then just said, you are forgiven and left, he broke the fuck down. He started crying. That's so strange. I know. I don't know anything. It's like when you bring Christ into it, when you bring his, like, Belief into it, he's just completely convicted in that moment. You know,
0: so weird. so fucking interesting. Uh, yeah, I really quickly I want to say that the people who spoke before this man, who said this uh, forgiveness, you know, um, from somebody who is trauma informed, they their victim impact statements were probably more cathartic for them and more therapeutic than this man and i don't mean that in a in a judgmental like rude way but it's just the reality of it especially if he is subscribed to religion and it is his religion that is telling him that he needs to forgive it makes me feel like he hasn't really processed through those emotions i could be wrong maybe he has and this was very cathartic for him to do it in this way but in a grand scale and looking at it in from multiple people who feel forced into forgiving because it's their religion that's telling them to, they do not process through their emotions and it's more traumatic because they're not able to actually sit with and investigate and let themselves feel anger. And anger is one of those things that Christianity and other religions are like, oh, it's a negative emotion. It's not okay to sit with or it's not okay to have your sinning if you're angry. When anger is a very healing emotion. And that's one of the things I tell my clients in trauma recovery is if you are feeling angry, That is okay. Because a lot of people are like, how do I get over this? I'm like, you just continue to keep sitting with it.
1: Don't go through it. Go
0: through it. Let yourself be angry. Let yourself feel it. And if it takes time, let it take time. Because it's all part of the healing process. And so... I, ha- I have I have a big problem <laughs> when people feel like they have to forgive I know not saying that that wasn't cathartic for that man. it probably was in some way shape or form. It could have been the best thing he could have done for himself. Everybody heals differently and that's fine. But if your religion is telling you that you have to forgive somebody in order for you to move on,
1: you don't have to, and that's probably wrong. Exactly, you you don't have <laughs> it's
0: to. I just probably inaccurate. I, I had to say that.
1: No, I mean that's powerful and super true. And I mean, like, we can't speak to his own truth, but correct in general, that's a that's a good thing to note. That like, you don't have to. Your forgiveness isn't linear, yeah. and it doesn't have to fit with your religious beliefs mm-hmm. for you to still be a religious person exactly. and a good person. So exactly uh, today. Gary Ridgway is serving in Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, Washington. Yes, that's a real city, Walla Walla. Yes, it is. uh, Which is super weird saying that. (laughs) I feel like I can't say it with a straight face. Uh, He is in solitary confinement. Awesome. He is not allowed into Gen Pop for his own safety, and he is also dealing with medical issues now. So, yeah. Bummer. Real quick. Before we go into whatever else we want to go into, I want to say the victims' names and ages. I want to go ahead and do that. These are just the ones that were identified. These were not the other him admitting to 80. You know, we don't have those. Mm. We don't have the bodies. We don't have the names. So, yeah. Okay. The victims that we have identified, Wendy Lee. Oh, this is in order. Okay. Okay. Also, this is it. In order of the killings. Okay. So, Wendy Lee Caulfield, or Cofield, 16. Giselle Ann LaVorne, 17. Deborah Lynn Bonner, 23. Marsha Faye Chapman, 31. Cynthia Jean Hines, 17. Opal Charmaine Mills, 16. Terry Renee Milligan, 16. Mary Bridget Meehan, 18. Deborah Lorraine Estes, 15. Linda Jane Rule, 16. Denise Darcel Bush, 23. Shonda Leah Summers, 16. Shirley Marie Sherrill, 18. Rebecca, or Becky, Marrero, 20. Colleen Renee Brockman, 15. Sandra Denise Major, 20. Wendy Stevens, 14. Alma Ann Smith, 18. Dolores Laverne Williams, 17. Gail Lynn Matthews, 23. Andrea M. Childers, 19. Sandra K. Gabbert, 17. Kimmy Kai Pitzer, 17. Marie M. Malvar, 18. Carol Ann Christensen, 21. Martina Teresa Authorley, 18. Cheryl Lee Wims, 18. Yvonne Shelley Antosh, 19. Carrie Ann Rois, 15. Constance Elizabeth Neon, 19. Kelly Marie Ware, 22. Tina Marie Thompson, 21. April Dawn Butram sixteen. Debbie May Abernathy, twenty-six. Tracy Ann Winston, nineteen. Maureen Sue Feeney, nineteen. Mary Sue Bello, twenty-five. Pammy Annette, event fifteen. Delise Louise Plager, twenty-two. Kimberly L Nelson, twenty-one. Lisa Yates, nineteen; Mary Exeta West, sixteen; Cindy Ann Smith, twenty-one; Patricia Michelle Barkzak, nineteen; Roberta Joseph Hayes, twenty-one; Marta Reeves, thirty-six; Patricia Yellowrobe, thirty-eight; unidentified white female, ages between twelve to seventeen; unidentified white female, age thirty-six. That's 49.
0: Jesus Christ. There were so many teens. Like, mm-hmm. And I, have, I, I lost track of how many times I heard 14. 14 and 15. Those that, are the ones that got me.
1: I mean, they all got me. It doesn't matter what age you are. You, you don't deserve to die, especially for being a sex worker. But I,
0: I just think my niece is 15. What could be going on in these poor women's lives that pushes them to sex work at that age? Yeah. At that age. Oh, God, it breaks my heart. Because
1: that's not consensual, you know? Not they at have to all. be like runaways, homeless, you know? It's just. Oh,
0: gosh. Traffic. It's like, you just, we don't know. We don't know their stories. We don't know.
1: Ugh. Oh. All we have are names and ages, you know, and we've got their families that are. Still alive to maybe tell us more about them, you know. Um, please don't try to contact their families, let's right. not make That's them relive not, trauma. Not. But I just wanted us to hear their names because they're not just victims, they are they're real people. Real they were real people. girls that had real desires and dreams. And you know, maybe, maybe in another life, they get that tenfold, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's what I hope for. I do too. That's what they deserve. I do too.
0: That's a hard one. Shit. Right. And they can't, I just can't figure this guy out. I can't get it. I, I go back and forth with like, okay, was it, you know, nature versus nurture? That's like an argument, not really an argument, but like a discussion, a debate of sorts that's happened for years. And you look at like BTK from last week, okay? It was definitely. She's not over BTK if you can't tell. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not over this guy. I just. I mean, I I get that. I can't, I can't imagine. Well, and he has ties. I didn't say this last week, but he has ties to the Idaho murders. The guy. Great. Yeah. The guy who did the Idaho murders (sighs) was taught by Catherine Ramsland, who was the woman who researched BTK. Ugh. He took a class of hers, so it's like they have this like roundabout weird tie to him, and so it's yeah. But if you look at it, okay, BTK, he was, um, it was definitely nature. Like, yeah, he he, he grew up in a solid home. He didn't have head injuries. He did. He was a s average person. Like there was nothing that you could point to to be like, uh oh, that makes sense. But that then, was it. But then yeah. you have somebody like Gary, and it's just one thing after another, like was it a combination i i have the opinion for him it was a combination of both because i don't feel like growing up in that kind of household is going to turn you into a sadistic serial killer who has you know rapes people and then has sex with dead bodies like i, I plenty of people grew up in crazy traumatic homes and don't turn out this way so it's like is it nature but then, living in that kind of childhood and that kind, having that kind of trauma, does it just exasperate? Exasper, exasperate? No, exacerbate? Exacerbate? There you go. <laughs> that thing. It, what's already there, you know? So, I don't know. It's yes and no, and I so badly wish that he still took
1: media requests. Yeah. Not that I, I don't really know if it would give any other answers or if like maybe at this point in his life where he's close to like, I don't want to say death, but like he's not doing well physically apparently. So Mm -hmm. maybe on his deathbed, would he come out and say like, yeah, my mom did rape me or Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Yeah. Religion made me feel like I had to have control over a woman. Right. Who knows? It's just. I wish we had those answers and we may never get them. And that, I know, already haunts the victim's families because even with the the closure of, okay, we know who did it. We know when it happened. We have their body kind of thing. It's still, there's still the aching of not really knowing the full picture of what happened in the mind.
0: Like, why? But at the same time, I wonder... Does he even know why? If it is more of nature and it's something that has just been That's in him it. from a child, he can't tell you why because it's always been there.
1: He doesn't have the capacity to also, like like I said earlier, dig his mm-hmm. heels in and really question like, and maybe become more self-aware of. Right, exactly. And maybe he's afraid to peel back the curtain. A lot of people are. Oh, yeah. But I think
0: it's necessary if you're committing crimes. Especially... Especially crimes like this, like okay, let's peel back those layers there, Bucko, like it I think, uh, I think he blames himself, probably, okay, mm-hmm. for okay, wait,
1: he should be blamed for the murders. Pause, I think he blames himself for not being good enough in the eyes of his mother, yeah. And I think possibly seeking out religion made him feel like if I follow the rules of religion, I can be good enough for God, Uh good enough for my pastor, good enough for my wife. But I think he's maybe still comparing himself to like the humiliating him with the bedwetting and that kind of thing. She probably
0: humiliated humiliated him in other ways. but Of course.
1: And uh, then not having
0: therapy, not knowing how to process that or get over it. And it's always there. Yeah, it's all valid theories, in my opinion. I don't want to end this on him, though, because this isn't about him. This is about the girls. Yes. I don't care if they were sex workers or not. Uh, I don't care if they ran away. And I will tell you right now, if anyone ever comments anything negative, like shaming, victim shaming, or anything like that, um, about any victim, but especially like sex workers on... Our Instagram or any of our social media. You will get or so blocked. You so will quick. get blocked <laughs> so goddamn fast. You won't even know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you won't know what happened. I don't know what hit you, <laughs> buddy? Because this was not their fault. They were doing
1: what they could to survive. They were doing what they could to try to thrive and push themselves forward in a better direction. And a fucking white man came in and fucked it all up. And a fucking white man. I when, when you guys see. The pictures that we post too, you'll be like, Ew. oh my God. Even when he was younger, he just wasn't that attractive. Let's be
0: honest. Like, I I would rather fuck a dumpster on fire. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a <like> thousand percent serious. <laughs> yep. I think I would too. Yeah. Yep. Raw dog, a cactus. Like, you know, so many better options. I wonder options. if he ever
1: got treated for gonorrhea. No. I don't really care. I hope he didn't. But yeah, that's our case.
0: Yeah let's do a palette cleanser.
1: <laughs> let's do a palette. Yeah. What is heck versus hell? Okay. You, you texted me that earlier and I did. I've gotten know we, all, we always
0: are like, oh, that's a good palate cleanser, but then we'll forget it by the time it's time to record. So we text each other reminders. And so, so funny. So I wanted to read you guys this post because I thought it's hilarious. It said, uh, Satan opens up heck. It's a lighter version of hell what kinds what kinds of torture are in it someone comments you you eternally have to wear socks while walking on the wet floor no, <laughs> no someone else comments people pull in front of you on the highway and go really slow
1: oh my god
0: you're stuck driving behind a school bus for eternity
1: <laughs> Ugh, somebody stop.
0: Somebody else goes no matter how many times you flip it the usb won't go into the computer. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the one. Your pillow will never be cold. <laughs> oh,
1: here's another one. Whenever you touch any microfiber towel, your skin will always snag on it. Uh-huh.
0: I uh-huh. hate I fucking hate
1: microfiber. Or anytime you touch any mm. towel, it will do that. <laughs> Yeah, that would be another layer of heck.
0: (laughs) I just thought that was hilarious. A lighter version of hell.
1: (laughs) I I love it. That's
0: so dumb. That's That's a nice laugh. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for bearing with us. Yeah, we have to get some good laughs in at the beginning and the end of today's episode. And and we'll try and do that for the next couple because Jesus Christ, we're taking you guys down some very dark, holes basically with these serial killers this month but it's highly interesting I have to say I've learned a few things and I trust nobody you know let's just put it that way I trust no one
1: (laughs) I just want to add this on here if you go to nchrc.org there's something called North Carolina Harm Reduction Coalition there's a lot of things like this it is that there's a certain page that is geared towards sex work, and it has safety tips nice, so if you guys need some safety tips that they offer some myths and some facts on here and there's other resources like this. this is not the only one, but it'll say stuff like in the street, use the buddy system, uh warn each other of violent dates or dates that do not pay.' You need to report everything, and it also talks about rape, the things that you should do if it happens, if you can do these things. Personal safety, making sure that Johns always wear condoms, negotiating is not, don't negotiate on any of that stuff and stuff Perfect. like that. So what was it's, the, it's
0: chock full of some good information. Well, you said nch.org? nchrc.org R-C, okay, and we'll link that in the show notes as well. Yeah. The more you know. Perfect. Yes. Be safe. The more you know, the better you go. <laughs> I don't know why I said The more you know, the better you go. <laughs> I have no idea what that meant. I'm tired. It's been a long case. And Gary, I don't like Gary. And Gary fucked my brain up. And I need to go eat a mood pie. <laughs> Drink some 7-Up and don't go murder people. It's weird knowing that certain serial
1: killers are still alive with us to this day.
0: I, the last two, the two we've covered. I don't know about your next one, if he's alive. Uh, my next two, I think, are dead. No. My next two were
1: I'm pretty sure my next one's dead. I'm hoping so, but yeah. we'll see. Anyways, that's the case. Great. Yeah. Love that. All right, guys. Don't join a cult. We love you. Don't do anything illegal. And have a nice
0: day. <laughs> Bye. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review because your salvation depends on it. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, leave us a review because we would absolutely love it. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Cow. Thanks for listening.